What's up, cigar friends? Welcome to Cigar of War podcast. I'm your host, Carl Brown. This is episode number one, the Uno, the beginning of the Cigar of War podcast. Thank you for being here for it. Thank you for listening. I think you're going to enjoy it. Today, we're talking with Akil Pete Peterson, founder of AP Cigars, owner of the Pelican Shop in St. Thomas, U.S. Virgin Islands, and creator of Island Life Cigars. Akil is going to share his five-year journey going home to open a cigar lounge with a view of the Caribbean Sea. We're going to talk about cigars. We're going to talk about the cigars that influenced him to start a line. And we're going to talk about some crazy adventures in the process of getting there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Light one up with us. Grab something cold to drink. Grab a fresh cup of coffee, whatever time of day it is for you. Get comfortable. And let's enjoy episode one, Cigar Nivore Podcast, Akil Peterson. Pete, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Carl. You're very welcome. Good evening. Good evening. So before we go any further, I see over your shoulder there in the background, you, you got uh, a couple of packs of the, the Island Life Maduro, which is my preference. Uh, I've had several of these. It's a great cigar. I've got the uh, Ecuador Camacho wrapper of the Island Life. So I'll go opposite of you, Carl. So, uh, so while I've we get uh, these lit, why don't you tell us a little bit about the cigar? Yeah. Uh, so basically... Uh, AP Premium Cigars was started back in 2016, uh, distributing cigars to uh, hotels, events, different things uh, in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Uh, we were fortunate to have a blend made uh, by a factory called Cafe 1901 uh, back in uh, 2019, and we released uh, two different blends of the Island Life. Uh, one blend is going to be an Ecuador Sumatra wrapper, uh, which I'm smoking. And you're smoking uh, the Mexican San Andreas wrapper. Uh, each stick as well has two bands on it as well, where we have uh, actually a map of the U.S. Virgin Islands, uh, as well as some coordinates. Because you know we do everything by coordinates as well, and the boarding life down here as well. So now, a little bit about the island life, which would be our house stick as well uh, at the Pelican Shop. Right. So tell us a little bit about the Pelican Shop. The Pelican Shop was something. I've wanted to do uh, ever since I moved back home to the U.S. Virgin Islands. Uh, that's probably about five and a half years ago. Uh, something I wanted to do, open a cigar lounge. Uh, I saw a need for it. Uh, and I, you have to have the right market as well, location-wise. Uh, so we opened back in, we opened actually on Super Bowl Sunday, uh, so February 2nd of 2020. Uh, with all the COVID stuff, of course, going on right now, at one point we were probably closed longer than we were open, which is crazy. Uh, we were open for about five weeks uh, when the COVID stuff happened. And we actually shut down probably a week earlier than mandated. Just, it was so much going on, so much uncertainty. Uh, everything was so day to day. Uh, I didn't want to put myself or my employees at risk. Oh, uh, good so guy, Pete. Actually, I'm sorry? Good guy, Pete. Didn't want to put the employees at risk. Yeah, because I'm an employee as well, so I didn't want to put myself at risk either. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was just, it was too much going on. No one really had any much, I think we closed probably this, right a week and a half into March. Uh, because we, everything, no one really wore any factual information about this, this, this COVID-19, to be honest with you. Uh, so we're just playing it safe as much as possible, man. Uh, yeah. So... Still kind of in recovery from COVID, but island's back open. People are coming to St. Thomas again. People are at least getting around on the island. Shops open again. What's that like? 
Yeah, so I'm trying to think what day we actually opened back up. Uh, I'm still, I'm, I'm lost for days to be honest with you right now. Yeah, I don't know what days, uh, but. I don't know, I, I feel like it's probably week five that we've been open back up. Okay. I'm not sure to be honest with you, girl. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's you know, each week it gets better to be honest with you. Uh, Plus, we're still a new business as well, uh, so it's crazy that, of course, we basically have to start over our marketing from scratch uh, because we literally opened for five weeks and literally closed for about six to seven weeks, you know? So you had a trial uh, run. Yeah, so literally, it, 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 it doesn't feel like we're starting over from scratch. Or, uh, I guess you could say we're, we're reintroducing ourselves to the, the public, you know? There are two things that you said earlier that I've noticed in places like St. Thomas where I've traveled, where I've done business that are really interesting. You mentioned one, that opening a scar lounge is something you wanted to do for a long time and something that was important to you. And two, that when you came back. So can you back up for me and tell me a little bit about how leaving the island was a part of your journey to be able to open the cigar lounge? And also, how far back it was when you had the idea that doing this in your hometown, doing this on the island where you grew up, is kind of something that you wanted to do. Yeah, so I'm, of course, I was born in the U.S. Virgin Islands, um, fifth generation here. Uh, I lived half my life here and half my life in Orlando, Florida. Uh, and most of my adult, of course, adult life was lived in Orlando. And living in Orlando is a pretty, pretty special place, you know, it's just the funnest of things to do. It's a big tourist area as well. But also in, in addition to living in Florida, you have many golf courses, but of course, cigar lounges, cigars, you know, it's just, it just goes hand in hand in the lifestyle we live in Florida. Uh, of course, you know, Miami, most cigar companies probably based out of Miami or probably North Carolina or Connecticut, whatever it may be. Majority are in Miami, South Florida, South Florida area. And Orlando just had a nice premium lounges, you know. Uh, of course, probably the most famous of, of those is probably Corona Cigar Company as well. It's fantastic uh, lounge. That, that's, that lounge in Orlando changed my opinion of what a cigar lounge could be. <sighs> and that's what I grew up on. And that's why I felt, I, of course, my first cigar was probably about 10 years ago on vacation uh, in the Bahamas. I had my first cigar. I was like, oh, wow. This is pretty good. Wait, 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 wait. Your first cigar was 10 years ago, and now you have your own line, and you opened a lounge. Yeah, yeah, 10 years ago. Uh, I was on vacation uh, Bahamas at the time. Uh, my girlfriend at the time bought me a cigar. You know, when you're on vacation, you, you do things which you wouldn't normally do in your normal life, you know? Uh, you spend money where you normally wouldn't spend it as well, and bought a cigar, I enjoyed it. Uh, as soon as I got back to Orlando, I was like, huh, I got to try that again. That was, that was enjoyable, you know, and it was, it was therapeutic. Uh, of course, you know, as well. Do you remember, some... sorry to jump in. Do you remember what the first stick was? I don't, I, I think it was a big Cuban to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like everybody who's a cigar guy has that time where they were on vacation and they got stuck with a fake Cuban. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, continue. So. You... Well, I, I really don't know what it was. I, I, don't, I don't remember. I, I remember. I, 
I think it might have been a Romeo, but it, I, I, don't, I don't recall, to be honest with you. Uh, but it was enjoyable. So whatever it was, enjoyable, fake or not, I, I enjoyed it and I wanted to pursue it as soon as I got back home just to try it again, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That's how I got in the cigar world 10 years ago. So then you wind up at the Corona. Yeah, it's funny. I re- the first time I ended up at the Corona was probably a colleague at the time invited me after work for drinks. And I wasn't, I, I didn't know where we were going. And then we, were, we just met up at, I was actually at the Lake Mary location, which is actually the smallest of the three. And I got there, I was like, holy crap, this is cool. Enjoyed a nice, I got your whiskey at the time, probably, which I probably didn't drink much of at that time as well. And I smoked a cigar with some colleagues. And I was like, man, I enjoy this, you know? And of course, you know, walking into the cigar lounge, it's, it's, overwhelming you know for the first few times because you're like the pressure you're like oh what are you looking for in particular or you know it, it's it's and i think i guess say about corona most experiences there just it was ple- it was pleasant you know they're like oh you know what you're looking for not as a point you in the right direction I said, most of the time i'll say i was like man just just let me browse and i'll figure it out to be honest with you and of course like most new cigar consumers I, I first was just, I mostly just smoked probably the sweeter cigars, to be honest with the juice cigars, just, just to get my palate going, whatever it may be. Uh, and then from there, uh, I think one time I just grabbed a, a La Florida Minicana La Hora, by mistake, not by mistake, but I was like, it, it was just attractive to me. And next thing you know, I was like, holy crap. That's probably my first like real cigar, premium cigar experience. I'm like, I literally, to be honest with you, Carl, I smoked that cigar for four years straight. I'm like, the number, I enjoy yeah, the number of people yeah, I've met, me. the number huh? of people I've met who LFD has been like their entry into the real premium cigar world. Yeah, so you so you you get into LFDs you, again. At what point do you go? I could do this. Great question. Uh, so before I moved back home, I knew I wanted to move back home. It's something I wanted to do for a while, and. Of course, I was going to move back home with my parents, my dad at the time. And my dad's like, so what are you going to do for a living? I'm like, I don't know, dad. I'll figure it out once I get home. He's like, no, no, no. I want you to set a goal before you move back home. All right. So I was like, I was thinking about businesses I could start. Because there aren't many companies here, to be honest with you. You know, most companies here are based or tourism-based, you know. I've never really been, been in the hospitality world, to be honest with you. And so I was like, huh. Yeah, you own a cigar lounge, just, just saying. <laughs> uh, so I was like, I was like, oh, wow. I love cigars. There's no cigar lounges in St. Thomas. And I was like, all right. So of course I called my dad two weeks later. I was like, hey, dad. All right, I'm ready to come home. I know what I'm going to do. He's like, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to open a cigar lounge. And of course my dad doesn't drink, he doesn't smoke. He's like, you're going to do what? He's all right, that's your goal. Come on back, let's <laughs> come on home, you know? And of course it took me, uh, took me five years to achieve that goal, uh, you know, little by little and uh, here we are now. So in that five years, and one of my favorite questions that I've heard recently, uh, I gotta give props, is, is from Tribe of Mentors by Tim Ferriss. He asked this question to almost everybody he interviewed for that book. What is one of the failures that you are most grateful for in that five years? Uh, I'd say probably being declined for business loan. <laughs> uh, 
which, which sounds funny because... I know that feeling. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so of course, this was my goal. Uh, I can be obsessive when I want to do something. No one's going to... The more people that tell me no, the more they're just throwing fuel in the fire, you know? Uh, which, which is also good, you know? It's funny watching the last dance and seeing how Michael Jordan was wired. And I'm kind of wired the same way, to be honest with you. So the more people have said no, or no, I can't do that, or no, you're crazy, or no, no, no. It, it, and it's still, I'm, that fire's still lit right now. And, but yeah, I, I was trying to get a loan. I, I had all the, 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 the things necessary to do it. Uh, credit, down payment, location. Uh, the bank at one point told me I have the best business plan I've ever seen ever. Uh, isn't it awesome and, when they tell you that and then still give you no money? <laughs> yeah, it, 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 and, and the process was so long, to be honest with you. I, and and you, 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 you know, I've told you pieces of that as well. And it, 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 and it, they finally told me no, and I was like, oh, right, okay. So I was like, all right. It's just not going to happen with a bank, you know. And, yeah, and, and, and actually it's funny looking back on it. I actually wasn't ready, which sounds crazy. I wasn't ready. So say they gave me that money two years ago, whatever it may be, I probably would have failed. Because within those two years from opening the shop to being the client or whatever it may be, I, I just wasn't ready. Uh, I was ready mentally, but I still learned so much within that two year gap as well that, that would, I, I didn't know at the time. Uh, but yeah, it was actually a blessing. Uh, so of course I would have, I, I probably would have opened a lounge two years ago. I probably would have closed the lounge a year and a half ago. You know? <laughs> so, uh, it was a blessing, a blessing and a curse to be honest with you. Uh, it's funny looking back at it. And I, I, I tell people that they're like, what do you mean? You should be pissed, you know? And, I, and I'm still pissed. I didn't get the money from the bank as well, but, uh, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So it's funny, right? And, and. I know a lot of people that, that are entrepreneurs, a lot of people that are like us that are out here trying to build the life we want instead of just following some path that somebody else already walked on. We have a different response to no, right? Like we, we get energized when people tell us that we're crazy instead of going and sitting in the corner, right? And I think that those stories, like hearing you say that had they given you the loan, then you wouldn't have been ready. Like, can you say more about that? Can you say more about what changed for you? What did you read? What did you hear? What did you learn? And like not giving away any trade secrets, but just in terms of where your head was and how you were thinking about what you were going to do to be where you want to be. What changed for you in that time? I guess I just learned more about the industry. Uh, I learned more about marketing. Uh, marketing is done differently here as well. We, we, we have to market to a, a local consumer and we also have to market to a, uh, a tourist consumer as well. Uh, but to be honest with you, I, 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 only books I really read is autobiographies from entrepreneurs. That's the only books I read. It's just everything else that bores me, to be honest with you. I, it's funny you say that I, I, I enjoy read. I don't enjoy it. I, I learn so much from reading about people's failures. Uh, so I don't make that same failure as well. You know, it's just, 
it's just a people laid out so many blueprints for us and it just just have to learn from their failures as well you know and of course you have to i have to learn from my own failures as well to be successful as well uh but yeah it's just i i just learned so much more marketing wise i learned from talking to different people who failed in this industry as well uh, or different industries and just giving me knowledge where they didn't have to give me knowledge you know just little things like that uh but just the little things you know just the little things uh and it's just I, I'd say I'd, the most thing is just once you meet an entrepreneur, I, I normally that's that's what you ask me. I normally ask them that what what's your biggest failure usually just just to learn from it as well, you know. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And and I love that that you mentioned autobiographies because you know I'm a reader and I'm a book nerd. And Unless it's autobiography, I really don't care. It's 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 not gonna it's not gonna fancy me. It's probably gonna put me to sleep. Uh, but some of my favorite books, uh, autobiography, autobiography wise, is probably Shoe Dog from uh, Phil Knight. Yeah, the Phil Knight book. That's a great book. Uh, yeah, it, it, and it's and it's and his. Of course, he's talked about his failures, you know, as well, uh, and how much he learned from his failures, and how much you, you know, just and there were like a that. lot. And Damon, Damon John. Uh, from Shark Tank, of course, uh, founder of Fubu as well. He wrote a book. I can't remember the top name of the book. He's wrote several books, but the one book he did write, it just, it was basically probably about 10 or 12 chapters from different entrepreneurs as well. You know, him kind of interviewing them and, you know, whatever it may be, but it was just an autobiography on steroids, to be honest with you, how much was compacted in that book, uh, which I probably read about a year and a half ago. And it was just, I was like, oh man. I was like, I don't need to read 12 autobiographies. I can read his book. They're saying all their failures and all their gains and all their knowledge in just one book. And that was probably my, my favorite book, one of my favorite books, actually. Man, I gotta look up. I gotta look up which one that was out of his books. Uh, yeah, since I get home, I'll, I'll look it up and I'll. I'll was it enough. Rise and Grind? R Rise and Grind. Rise and Grind. It's a book that you can pick up, and there's stuff in there that you can read it and like go to work. It's not just. Yes. It's not just. Oh, let me sit back and light a cigar and think about this. Which don't get me wrong, that's something I love to do. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> but there's a time to reflect and, and there's a time to take action, and that that book has a lot of his books have really quick actionable like here's the message and, and kind of go to work type of points of view which which i appreciate too yeah and of course mentioning damon john john as well i i think my favorite show is probably shark tank as well uh i just i absorbed that show just learning from how people started and whatever it may be numbers wise and ratios and markups and the ins and outs, the ups and downs, uh, the investors part. Uh, it's just, I love that show, Shark Tank as well. So. It's, it's all about the math at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, you gotta survive, you gotta pay your bills. So. Yeah, so coming back to the cigar. So you, you're in Orlando, you and dad have this conversation, you wanna come home, and he's like, yeah, but you're not coming unless you have a plan. Correct. Five years of the grind. Nose from the bank. All of the struggle. You're doing the thing. You get to the place where you're ready to open the lounge. But I know you and I had conversations quite a while ago about this cigar. 
when we talked about this cigar, I think I was like, yeah, I'm really excited about the Mexican San Andreas wrapper right now. And you were like, well, I have one. <laughs> I was like, well, please tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more. But how did that process happen? Like, I mean, I'm not asking you again, no trade secrets. You don't need to talk about all the legwork you did to build your relationship with the factory. You can say if you want to, like where they're made and, and that part. But how did you get to less of the ins and outs of the doing the work, more of how did you make the switch from I'm a fan and I'm a cigar smoker to I can put something in the market that I can put my name on that I believe is different and unique and deserves a place on the shelf. And how'd you get to that place? So of course, uh, before I opened the shop, the plug-in shop, uh, I put some plugs there. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, yeah. those, will, those will be in the show notes and, and in the links as well. <laughs> uh, yeah. So before I started a shop, Island Life existed, uh, so we received our first shipment in November of 2019, and we probably started the process with the factory in March. And they're they're made by Cappy 1901 in Honduras. Uh, it makes a great cigar. They they have other products and, that are good too. Yeah, yeah. They uh, and they're also based out of uh, South Florida, and uh, Dr. Gabby Cappy makes them. And I, I I told them I wanted to make two different blends, and we went through the process. And it's just you know it's just a process of seeing what you love. You tell them what notes you want, what tobacco you want, uh, what wrapper. Of course, the most important part would be the wrapper. That's where you're going to get most of about 60% of the flavor, 75% of the flavor from. And I just told them what I wanted, and we just, it, was, it was a pleasant experience. Of course, it just takes time, you know, just find the right tobaccos and then blend it, whatever it may be. And then once we, I found the two blends, I was like, let's do it. Let's push this book. And then, of course, you have to, once you make your blend, you got to age them. It's a, it's a process. Uh, but it was enjoyable to be honest with you. Uh, and it's surreal. I, 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 to be honest, it hasn't really sunk in. Uh, uh, November was a tough time for our family. Uh, we lost we lost one in our family. Actually, one of the blends is actually named after my aunt who passed away. This one, uh, right? uh, yeah, so I'm smoking the Aunt Michelle blend, which is the Ecuador Sumatra wrapper. Uh, my aunt was pretty. I was pretty close to my aunt. Uh, she's been like one of my, one of my mom's. I guess it's my, my second or third mom, I guess you could say. My aunt passed away about seven, eight months ago, and it's it's still a blur, to be honest with you. Uh, I'm trying to cry here on your, your, your podcast here. I love that you dedicated one of your products to your aunt's memory. That's beautiful. That's that's a wonderful thing. I think, I think the cigar community is receptive to that right like this is the kind of product where family is important and we're connecting to heritage and connecting to the story of how this cigar came to be is almost as important as the wrapper and who does the manufacturing and the quality of the construction I mean, I, I can I can tell you for sure a cigar with a great story attached to it. I'm gonna remember that story more than I'm gonna remember the wrapper binder filler breakdown. And I think that it's beautiful that, that you brought your family into it that way. How much of your family's story and of your five generation history in St. Thomas is part of why this cigar comes from there, why the Pelican Shop is based there. You're a young guy. 
Like your hairline lies about it, but you're a young guy, Pete. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> hey, I gotta give you, I gotta give you a little hell sometimes. No, you just you you, which is a good sign. That means you put in the work, right? Like that, that didn't happen by mistake. You've been you've 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 put in some work to get to where you are now. Yeah, as cigar makers go, that's like you're still big time in the up and coming list, and new product in the market less than a year so far, growing like crazy. I've seen you getting some love on the Instagrams from, you know, both coasts in the US as as well as all over in St. Thomas and so for for the folks that are watching, listening, however they decide to consume the podcast, not everybody's gonna be in the Virgin Islands, not everybody's gonna be able to walk into the Pelican shop and pick up the island like how else can they get it? One. Uh, yeah, so we do have a website as well where we do sell our cigars. Uh, we sell some merchandise as well, so hats, uh, shirts, stickers, uh, and adding things here and there as well. So yeah, you can purchase uh, directly from us at our website, uh, thepelicanshopbi.com. Okay, and then if you had to say cigars that inspired you, when you were like, I want to make my own cigar, what are the cigars that you thought, these are cigars that I love, and I would love to make something that deserves space on the shelf next to these other cigars, just to kind of give the, the folks that haven't had the Island Life yet an idea of where it lives. Yeah. Uh, so the lighter blend, which is the, the Aunt Michelle blend of the Island Life cigars, uh, was somewhat inspired by actually the, the Southern Draw Rose of Sharon, uh, which also uses the Ecuador Sumatra wrapper. Which I recall um, when you first discovered, you and I had a conversation, and, and you told me that you thought that cigar would make Cigar Aficionado's top 25, if not be the cigar of the year. It did not, but I, I we, we still have another year. We still have a few more years to go. It's, it's still going to make it one day. Uh, I, I, to, that, to be honest, I was disappointed it didn't make that list. Uh, but it, it's uh, give us some time. It'll, it'll make that list eventually. Uh, but yeah, that, that cigar inspired me to use an Ecuador Sumatra wrapper, actually. Uh, so basically, I, I, to be honest with you, I never looked up their blend at all because I really didn't, I didn't want to cheat a cigar. Uh, but I just knew I just wanted to use an Ecuador Sumatra wrapper. I didn't know it even existed until I smoked that cigar, to be honest with you, Ecuador Sumatra wrapper. And I was like, oh. Yeah, that's, that's a rare, that's, that's a rare situation. I mean, Sumatra wrapper is a highly sought after wrapper, period. Yeah. And then them having brought that to Ecuador and growing that in that growing environment, it's a, it's a yeah. different terroir you're getting. It's even different than your traditional Sumatra wrapper. So yeah, that's a, that's a very unique choice. And I love that you put it on that cigar. Yeah, so basically, of course, I started from the outside, worked my way in uh, on the blend. And, and actually still to this day, I still don't even know what the blend is with Southern Dry. I've never really looked it up. Uh, uh, but yeah, that, that was the inspiration for the Ecuador Sumatra wrapper. I mean, the, the Aunt Michelle blend. Uh, the inspiration for the Henrietta blend, uh, I can't really remember off the top of my head, to be honest with you. Uh, so right now, I know I love to smoke a box. A box press is probably my go-to right now for for every, mostly every cigar I would like to smoke would probably be a box press. Uh, so yeah, so that was one thing I had to do was have to, I had to have a box press in one of these blends. Uh, I actually, actually almost did a box press for both blends, but I was, I was advised not to, I'm actually glad I didn't. Uh, but 
I can't remember what inspired me to do that blend. Maybe it was just the access to tobacco at that time at the factory. Who knows? Uh, I can't remember, but I, I just know I had to be a, a box, a box press, which I love, and I probably would just smoke every day if I chose. I, I definitely agree with you there. There's, I mean, I, I, there's a mix. I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I am. I'm biased. Box press, Toro, or Torpedo are probably my my preferences. And I think that this like box press Toro size that you've got the Henrietta in is just it's a beautiful Vitola. It's a great smoke. It's super even. It stands up quite well to a nice bourbon. And and it's just it's a beautifully constructed cigar like of the smaller brand cigars out there one of the things i will say is pretty remarkable you know i lit this with wooden matches and i haven't needed a relight in the you know 40 minutes that we've been chatting so far um, since since we we kicked this thing off and nor a touch-up or anything i mean like the burn line is great the flavor is great it progresses nicely it's got enough sweetness it's it's a really really good cigar. Uh, thank you, Ron. Yeah, you. No, you, you're welcome. I thank you for for making good product. That's which brings me to my next question, because you know, in your experience in the cigar world, and, and I know we've smoked many cigars together, even since this product came out. It's not like you're that guy that only smokes your own blend. Uh, obviously, we're here today to talk about your product, and and we're going to smoke it today. But when you're gifting cigars, when you're encouraging people to get into the cigar space and expand their palate, right? Like what are your, what's your cigar that you've given more people to say, smoke this, it's gonna change the way you think about cigars. What cigar is that for you? I think before I opened the Pelican shop, it was probably the Rose of Sharon. Uh, I once I smoked one. I think I bought it probably on a trip somewhere. I, I just happened to. Go, I just love the presentation of it. I was like, ah, this looks unique. And the Ecuador Sumatra rubber just has a little. It could look like a Connecticut, but it has a little greenish color in Connecticut. You know. It is. It's like it's and, like a cross between a Connecticut and a Candela. Yeah, it's just, it's just intriguing. Like, what the frick is that? You know. I normally have cigars sit for about six months uh, right now. And so by the time I get, so which could be a good or bad thing, because sometimes by the time you get there, you're like, holy crap, I need to buy more of these and stock them up again, you know? <laughs> and I think by the time I got to the Rose of Sharon, I got, I smoked, I was like, uh, what the fuck did I just smoke? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, at first I thought it was too good to be true. And I think I had such a great day at the time I was smoking, you know, because, you know, your moods can t change your palate as well, you know? And I smoked it, I was like, no, that was too good to be true. And I think I bought like a five pack sampler just to be safe. And I was like, I smoked, I, I, as soon as I got it, I, I let it sit for a couple of days and I smoked again. I was like, holy crap, that was good. So I, all right, let me go buy a box now. And I think once I bought a box, I was just giving them out left and right. Like you swear I was like a politician running for something. I was just like, <laughs> okay. Tell me I'm not crazy, and tell me this is one of the best cigars you ever smoked. And I think, I, I, of course, I think I gave you one, right? You, you did. You gave me one, and that's when you said you were like, "This is gonna be in cigar aficionado's <laughs> top 25. It and might be cigar of the year." <laughs> Carl, I felt like a politician. You swear I was working for Southern Draw Cigars, 
I was giving that cigar out, cigar out left and right, and I was like, tell me I'm not crazy and tell me this is a good cigar. And, uh, and everyone was like, okay, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. You know, that's, that's pretty good. You know, and I was just like, all right, it's good. It's going to be top 25. It's going to be top 25. And I, I, sh I should have started a campaign for them or something, maybe. I don't know, but yeah. <laughs> well, so I think you and Shane, the, the, your, your buddy, the tobacconist there at the Pelican shop, you two, of all of the people that I've smoked cigars with, have some of the most refined palates and some of the most like, technical capacity to break down why a cigar is good without it sounding like a dick measuring contest. And I feel like there are a lot of people out there who talk about cigars that like to hear themselves talk. And I think that you guys talk about cigars because you're passionate about what you're what you're bringing to the market, and you're passionate about like you're like no no yeah. this is really great I love this here's why, and and thank God I've not yet heard Shane describe a cigar as having a flavor of fresh cut hose attached to it, and the day that that happens I'm gonna hit him in the mouth. <laughs> but uh, but you you guys. Dude, you've been super passionate about that cigar. I remember that. That's a moment that not like is stamped in my memory as a a seminal moment in our relationship as friends and, and as cigar lovers was you being on the soapbox about that cigar. And I got to tell you that I do feel like there's some similarity. They're very different. The blend is very very different. It's smoke Correct. both. They're not the same cigar between the Island Life uh, and Aunt Michelle and the Southern Draw Rose of Sharon, but. That wrapper, it's special. Now, that said, I am colorist about cigars. Like, I'm gonna just put it out there. I like Maduros. Finding a natural wrapper that really, it excites me, is just super, super rare, which I told you when you handed me that cigar, but it's super rare, but that is a good cigar. It's a cigar I would smoke again. Is it a cigar I'm going out of my way for? For me, not so much, but only because I'm going to do more work to go after a Maduro. Like the Mexican San Andreas wrapper, which has been trendy for about two years, is, is probably my favorite wrapper in the game right now. There's just, it's, it's got, it's got all of that dirty, earthy grittiness that you want out of a Nicaraguan, but it's still just like sweet. And there's a lot of chocolate in the, in the undertone that comes through in, in that wrapper. So I was happy that, that the Henrietta comes in in that wrapper. That's that's cigar makes that, that fits my palate a lot better. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting to me that the Southern Draw is the one that you've been on. That like, if you're going to give somebody a cigar, like this is the cigar to try, and that that inspired the cigar that you built as your first cigar. That's a that's a really that's that's, that's a neat part of the story. Uh, you mentioned also that your mood on that day can impact how you feel about a cigar, which I. Totally couldn't agree more with um, and and I also think the opposite is true that the cigar on any given day can impact your mood right but so beyond just oh this tastes good oh this is fun what's the smoking experience like for you like when you sit down to have a cigar when you're not at work when you're not at the shop when you're just Pete having a cigar somewhere what's that about for you there's so many different factors and that's a great question. So many people ask me that, you know, when they walk in a shop, like, what cigar are you smoking right now? Uh, a lot of them, uh, <laughs> to be honest with you. I have access to a lot of them. Uh, but it all depends. I, even before I opened the shop, it, my, my, I still have the same mindset. Uh, 
on a cigar I, I smoke. It all depends how long I've aged it for. Uh, I'm also part of a cigar, couple of cigar clubs or uh, subscriptions as well. Uh, so I get a lot of rare stuff as well. Uh, but it, it, it's a couple of different factors. It all depends what mood I'm in. Uh, not really what mood. Uh, it depends. I, I joke it all depends how much money I made that day. Uh, <laughs> what I've eaten uh, that day. Uh, what time of day it is. What how much time do I have to smoke? Uh, yeah, it, it's so many different factors in how I smoke a cigar, and and actually most times I really with everything going on right now at the shop, I really don't have time most days to enjoy a cigar because you know you're just so busy and even if you do light a cigar you might not be able to finish it or enjoy the whole thing uh so most times i do it's i actually most times most times i really get to enjoy a cigar is actually at home which sounds crazy uh because that's i'm not gonna be interrupted or whatever it may be and i can enjoy uh the phases hopefully the three different phases of that cigar as well mm-hmm. uh but yeah this is a couple different factors so money i made that day whether it's cigar work whatever it may be uh or money i lost who knows uh you know, mood, uh, what's going on in the world, life, you know, just different factors or, you know. You know, it's, it's interesting. Like for me, taking that time to slow down and it's weird because we've had this conversation a few times and, and I'll be 40 this year and, and that's, there's a change that's happening for me that I think is for the better. Let's revisit in 10 years and I'll tell you whether or not I was full of shit. Uh, (laughs) But where being more thoughtful and more intentional and methodical about the way I spend my time and about what I expect out of the time that I spend is definitely becoming a thing for me. And even you know i've been smoking cigars i started smoking cigars at 19 because i'm a weirdo and even then i was like i can sit down for 45 minutes and not be thinking about the to-do list you know and that like that changes where my head is i'm like the third worst meditator in the world because i have the worst case of busy brain ever like there's always something else and i'm sitting there meditating like but i should be folding laundry Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but when i light a cigar that changes for me right like then it's okay i'm here this is it i'm in this moment i'm focused on what i'm tasting i'm thinking about what i'm doing and it's like it just it changes the day for me do you get that? My cigars are therapy for me, to be honest with you. I, like you said, my mind's always going. Even when I'm sleeping, in my mind's just like, this is how I'm going to break down the day tomorrow. I'm going to tackle it. If this happens, this is how I'm going to do plan B. And that's the way I'm always thinking. Uh, but usually when I'm smoking a cigar, from my home, my driveway, just enjoy a view, put my music on, and I can just escape for that hour or 15 minutes, wherever we be, and I just escape, man. I put my, I just listen to music, I don't touch my phone, stay off, whatever it may be, and I, I just escape. I'm just flying, well, as I enjoy the cigar, you know, that's, and that's why I enjoy it as well, you know, I, I, I at home, you know, that's, that's, it's, it's therapeutic for me, to be honest with you, it relaxes me, uh, it's something I really enjoy. 
So what's your go-to playlist? Like, what are you listening to right now while you're smoking a cigar at home in that chill zone? What's what's on the... Are you an Apple Music guy? Are you a Spotify guy? Are you, like... I've been on spot. I've been hooked on Spotify for the last six years. So I actually don't listen to anything else. Uh, just Spotify. Uh, Music-wise, uh, the music I listen to on a day-to-day basis, I, I shouldn't be playing in this job. It just wouldn't be. <laughs> it, it it just wouldn't be. It wouldn't help anybody but myself. Uh, yeah, because it's just not whatever. It's, it's hip hop. It's whatever. It's just not. It doesn't help the vibe of the shop. You know. Uh, so yes, normally it's he says in his office with a giant poster of Jay Z behind him. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we're gonna listen to uh, what's the one album? Uh, I can't remember it off the top of my head. You either better say Reasonable Doubt or the Black Album, or else I don't know if we can continue this discussion. No, his, that is actually the one he did with Jay Electric, which Electronica kind of is actually that's still on my playlist right now as well. That's just that's Fair. just good music, man. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, it's just the, the shop. It's it's not like any normal cigar lounge probably in the world. Uh, our walls are white, our chairs are colorful, uh, and we wanted to create something tropical and fun. Uh, we wanted a consumer to walk in who just never smoked a cigar before to feel comfortable and not feel intimidated by dark colors or anything old school looking, whatever it may be, which would be a normal cigar lounge environment. Uh, but we, we also just wanted someone, who, whether it's a tourist or even a local consumer was a woman to walk in and feel comfortable and like, wow, this is a, it's a pretty good vibe in here, you know, and I'm all about vibes, my personal life, my professional life, whatever it may be, I'm all about creating a good vibe. And that also could enhance your, enhance the smoking experience as well, you know, your cigar experience could be your palate could change by your environment. You know, if you're having your vacation, sometimes that cigar might it's going to taste way better on vacation than it is going to be after a stressful day at work. You know, true. Uh, true. And, and it's just by creating an environment where a consumer can come in and enjoy a cigar and zone out, whether they're watching sports or talking to another colleague or networking, whoever they're doing at the shop or just talking to a total stranger, you never know. But it's about creating an environment and a vibe where people are like, they don't want to go home, you know, which so, is also good for business. So <laughs> talk, talk to me about the lounge vibe, because that's a really interesting point, and, and I agree, and this will probably be the last topic we cover tonight, but you've been to a lot of lounges. You mentioned the Corona, you mentioned Orlando and kind of the, the lounge scene in Orlando cigar shop wise. Um, obviously I've been to the Pelican shop. I love what you're doing there. I love what you're doing like on your Saturdays with sticks and stilettos. I love that you've been intentional about engaging women in your marketing for the shop as well. Yeah. Thinking about them in terms of the product, in terms of the vibe in the shop. Do you feel like, cigar shops and cigar lounges have been kind of like a boys club environment historically and how do you feel like that's changing do you feel like that's something you're intentionally trying to change do you think it's something that's just already happening that's shifting in the market like what are your what are your thoughts there about inclusion in all facets at at, in the cigar world now i don't know if i want to describe it as a boys club but i guess cigars have also been known for just you know someone who's doing successful in life, you know, or affluent people, that's what cigar described as. But 
It's also affordable cigars. There's, even, I think one thing I love about cigar, cigars as well, of course, we're both black, but it's just... You can Shit, walk Pete, we're both black? As, <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, cigars I describe as sports where I can walk in a sporting arena or I can walk in a sporting uh, cigar lounge and we both have the same passion, you know? We both like the same team or... I, I can't tell you handless countless times, countless times, where I walk in the cigar lounge, wherever it may be, I sit next down to an older white gentleman and we just start talking and next thing you know that you're buying that person a drink or you're buying that person a cigar and it's just, you, you both have a, a common uh, passion, you know? And that's one thing I did enjoy about cigars as well, it's just, I don't know if it's a boys club, I guess you could say most, Cigar lounges, you could say it's probably more of a boys club, but I think the way the world is now with social media, you see so many cigar, women's cigar clubs and things like that, or women smoking cigars. And I think it's always been around, you just never really seen it. Social media is a huge factor. Instagram is a huge factor. Uh, I've made friends, I've connected with more people through, through Instagram that are uh, cigar smokers, more black cigar smokers, more female cigar smokers. Cigar lounges are kind of a destination, right? And they bring out people who share this passion and all of the other ways that humans are defined and are put into a box are no longer relevant once you're talking about this shared passion because you've defined your own box. You've created this this space that is different than any of the check marks, marks on the census or is different than any of the typical demographic data that brands try to, to view us as. And you know, like I've been a marketing guy for most of my life and uh, I love me some data and I love to slice and dice consumer trends and figure out like how to, to align with a particular consumer group. But that doesn't work in the cigar world. Like you can't really say this is a cigar for 18 to 25 year old men in their early career. Like you don't know that that's gonna be the case at all. <laughs> so last parting shot, two cigars, one that is your way underrated, like punches above its weight cigar that's your I can smoke this all the time and I feel like it's a great stick for the money. And then second, your like what's your personal, you know, grail cigar, that one that you're always looking for and if it happens to pop up, you're buying as many as they have. What 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 are those two sticks on the list for you? Uh underrated is the Trinidad Esperito. And I think I believe it was released probably a year or two ago and I love everything about that cigar, the branding, the marketing, the presentation of it. The stick, the stick is amazing as well. Uh, and it's funny, I, I, you know, like I said, we joke, we have regulars that come in the shop and we bought some boxes of the shop. And at first no one was touching it because they're like, oh, what's that, you know? And so I was like, you know what, try this. And once they tried it, of course, come back and grab hand, handfuls of them, you know, like, oh man, I'm pissed off I didn't, I didn't smoke the cigar, you know. Yeah, it's all good, you know, we're not, we're going to stock it as much as we can. And another cigar, which you can't really buy anymore, is my, my go-to, I have a stash at home, is probably the Cohiba Commodore, of course. And of course, Jay-Z's right behind me, of course, you know. Great cigar. I, the, 
Yeah. The Trinidad's I, I, a great cigar too. Yeah, I, I bought so many of those things before. It was only one release, of course, but that that cigar is just amazing. Uh, of course, I probably need to smoke it as a celebration or good friends I give away as a birthday or anniversary or kid born, you know, there's the guard smoker as well. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Can't get another one. I'm like, no, sorry. <laughs> you, you, you can't buy this cigar again. You, you should be lucky I gave you one. Uh, but yeah, that's that's probably one of my hand and not favorites actually. Cohiba Commodore by uh, Jay-Z and General Cigar Company. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I appreciate you taking some time to, to burn one with me and uh, and chat about a bunch of random bullshit. And, and hopefully the, the interwebs appreciate your uh, your position and your point of view. Uh, you know, I, I look forward to seeing what's next from Island Life Cigars and, and from AP Cigars, if you stick with just the Island Life or if there's, there's something else that you got cooking in the, in the lab that we'll hear about soon. And uh, hopefully I'll be I'll be back on a rock in the next couple of months, and and we'll do another visit to the lounge and uh, and show folks the space and talk a little bit about the Pelican Shop. All right, thanks for having me, Carl.